Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from our speaker. But uh, Luke chapter number 13, uh, the title of the message tonight is, it might not be a good title, you might want to title it something else, but I, I titled it Living on Borrowed Time. Luke chapter number 13, living on borrowed time, beginning in verse number 6. And he spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, These three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Father, we come to you tonight as we look at this parable. I pray to God you'll give us insight. And uh, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Learn how to do that and then do that. And leave here tonight with a greater desire to be your servant. A greater desire to not only know the word of God, but to apply the word of God to each of our lives. I pray that you'll speak to us through the Holy Spirit through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, this parable, and Jesus calls it a parable, he spake also this parable, it provides a a wonderful context for examining the fruitfulness in our lives. Um, And when, when you study a passage of Scripture, and by the way, I hope... I hope all of you are students of the Bible and take time to study the Bible. When it comes to study, and you can take as long as you want to study, and if you just have a limited amount of time, you can do a lot in a limited amount of time. But when we study the Scriptures, there's basically some things that we need to do, and I want to look at three of those things. There's many different ways you can study the Bible. But uh, using this particular passage... I just want to encourage you in three different areas. First of all, what you want to do is you want to examine the text. What does the text say? What area that, whatever area that you're studying in the Bible, what, what does it say? What's it saying? Now, this story is a parable, kind of like an illustration. Now, it wasn't necessarily true. It wasn't necessarily something that actually happened. But it could have happened. And it could have been a story that Jesus made up to draw an analogy or to make a point. Uh, We do that from time to time. We'll draw analogies. And uh, it's like this or it's like that. Well, this was a parable that Jesus uh, gave to those who were listening to him. Now, uh, uh, Israel was a very rural society as we're aware of, and Jesus often used farming analogies 
in his sermons because people knew what he was talking about. Uh, if he used a farming analogy, which he did here, people knew what vineyards were. People knew what fig trees were. They, they understood that. Uh, he would often talk about uh, sheep and, and the sheepfold there in John chapter 10. And he would, he would use uh, picture stories. He would use analogies that the people understood. Uh, when he talked about fishing, people in that area, they understood fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And he would use that to teach the different individuals. Uh, the vineyard, this is a vineyard of grapes. Uh, we would say it's a field of grapes, uh, but it's grapes. And uh, we see pictures, I think, out in California or wherever, uh, they have these huge vineyards, nothing but grape plants, grape trees, grape vines, grape whatever you call them. I'm not sure what they grape bushes. But anyhow, they, they have huge vineyards of, of all these different uh, uh, grapes that they harvest. And there was a fig tree planted in that vineyard. Notice in verse number six, he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Uh, fig trees, they're not real huge, but they're not real small either. And it says the certain man, it says a certain man uh, came and sought uh, fruit thereon and found none. It was his vineyard. It was his fig tree. He's the owner of the vig vineyard. And, uh, and, uh, and the dresser of the vineyard, it says uh, in verse 7, then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, this dresser, would be the man responsible for the work, to do the work in the vineyard, to do the weeding, to do the pruning, to uh, do the harvesting. He was responsible to get that done. And uh, he came to inspect his property. He noticed that this particular fig tree uh, had failed to produce in the past uh, the figs, the fruit that he wanted for uh, several years. And uh, it had been growing through all of this time. And he was disappointed because he came expecting it to have fruit. And uh, he uh, decided that he wasn't, really it wasn't worth it. So he was going to have his workers uh, uh, cut it down, not spend any more time or energy on it. And uh, as far as he was concerned, it'd be best just, just to cut it down and put something else in its place that would produce fruit. And... Uh, uh, this, as we said, wasn't the first time that this owner was uh, disappointed in this fig tree. It's the third year that he'd been waiting for fruit. Now, this fig tree was in the ground, was growing long before uh, he started looking for fruit. Uh, you're aware if you plant uh, a, a small apple tree, it's not going to produce apples right away. It takes several years. Well, the same is true with this fig tree. So uh, this, this fig tree was far older than just three years. But this is the third year that he was waiting for the fruit, and uh, he, he's not going to give it any more time. He's fed up with it. He's lost patience with it. But the keeper now, the one that's been maintaining this vineyard and also obviously been taking care of this fig tree, doing everything that he could to get it to produce fruit, uh, he wasn't ready yet to cut it down. Uh, he had uh, worked on it, and he doesn't want to see it cut down, so he intervenes 
with uh, the certain man, with the owner of it. And he said he wants to give it one more year. Just, just let's work on it one more year. And if it doesn't produce by then, he said, we'll cut it down. Verse number eight, uh, it says, And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So he intercedes, okay? He intercedes for that particular fig tree and uh, wants to give it one more year. So the first thing that you need to do when you're studying the scriptures is examine the text. What is it saying? Now, that wasn't really anything uh, deep, but that's what this particular passage is saying. And the next thing you need to do is interpret the text. What does it mean? What's it really talking about here? Is this something literal? Is it figurative? Who is speaking it? Uh, who's he speaking to? Uh, that's important as far as when you study the scriptures. Uh, you see, I, I think as we read this, I think we can be assured that Jesus wasn't just concerned with horticulture. Um, he knew about it, but that was not his uh, specific point here. Uh, the fig tree stands for something else. And that something else is Israel. That's what the fig tree stands for here. It stands for Israel. Uh, you know, there's, there's three trees in the Bible that picture the nation of Israel. Uh, the first is the vine. In uh, Psalm 80, it talks about uh, the vine being Israel, and that is uh, Israel's past. And then you have the fig tree, which is Israel's present, and then you have the olive tree, which is Israel's future, and you find that in Romans chapter 11. And uh, it's interesting that Jesus had been ministering to Israel for three years at the time that he gave this uh, parable. And he says that the owner of the vineyard had been seeking fruit from the tree for three years. And there's an obvious parallel here. Jesus, the keeper of the vineyard, who has been cultivating this tree, Israel, and trying to get it to produce fruit for three years. And uh, it, it, it's resisted all of his efforts through this time, for as a, the majority of them didn't want to listen to him, didn't want to hear what he said. And, and now the owner of the vineyard, who is God the Father, he's ready to cut it down. He's ready to get rid of Israel. He's ready to punish. He's ready to, to get Israel out of the way. And see, he was basically saying to Israel, your time is up. That's what God was saying to Israel. And Jesus was trying to convey this uh, convey this to the people that he was giving this parable to. They had uh, three years of the Messiah in their midst, and they refused to acknowledge him. Many did not want to accept him as the Messiah. The religious leaders certainly did not. There were those who believed in him. There were those who followed him. Uh, there, there were those who were converts of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the majority of the Israelites certainly were not. They had three years to acknowledge him, but they didn't. And it was at this time, it was only a few months until the crucifixion of Jesus. They would uh, see just a few more miracles from him. 
they would hear just a few more sermons from Christ, but they were living on borrowed time. Israel's end was near, if you would. And even after the crucifixion of Christ several months later, they, Israel, would be given another 70 years before Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And it was destroyed by the Roman Empire. So God, in essence, would give them another brief season to bring forth fruit, but then he was going to cut the tree down. So that's one thing that we can learn in this particular parable. So first, we examine the text. What's it saying? Second, we need to interpret the text. What does it mean? And the third is we need to apply the text. In other words, what does it matter? Well, it does matter. You see, every text in the Bible has two audiences. One, the original audience of whom Jesus is speaking to, of whom it is written to, whom it was intended for, okay? It was written to someone, but you need to understand it was written for us. It was written to someone, but it was meant for us. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says this, For whosoever, I'm sorry, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Again, Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, Now all these things happened unto them for samples or examples, and they, were, they are written for our admonition. You see, they're written for us. What we read in the Bible, God has preserved for us. Uh, even though it may not have been, you know, it doesn't say, uh, Dear Frank. It wasn't written to Frank, but it was written for Frank. And, uh, or Bob, or Pat, or whoever. You put your name in there. This wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. It's a valuable piece of literature. Now, we've seen what the text says. We've seen what the text means. Now, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to you? I think that question tonight, how, how okay, I understand that. It's pretty clear. We see, we see the text, uh, what it says. And uh, we see what it means. It's, it's not that difficult to see that. But how does this apply to me? You know, I, I can't connect the pieces here. Well, the one thing, first of all, we can see that the Lord expects fruit. That's why he came. That's why the owner came to the vineyard. Because he was expecting to find some figs on this fig tree. And the Lord, my friend, expects fruit from you and from me. Everything God created, he expected to be fruitful. In, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So God expects fruitfulness. He expected it from Adam and Eve from the very beginning. 
to be fruitful and multiply. John 15, verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus said this, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. We bear much fruit, God the Father is glorified. Now, when we think of fruit, we have a tendency to think of works. But my friend, works and fruit are not the same thing. Works is something you do. Fruit is something that is done to you. You can do works, but you, my friend, cannot create fruit. And that's a very important distinction there. At the very introductory level, the fruit God wants to see in you and me is the fruit of the Spirit. That, my friend, is the minimum fruit. That's not much fruit. That's the minimum fruit. But he wants to see that in you and in me. And the fruit of the Spirit is nothing more than the character of Christ. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Galatians. You, you already probably know this. Some of you could probably quote it. But in Galatians chapter 5, and in verse number 22, we see the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what God, that's the fruit that God wants to see in your life and in my life. He says in verse 22 of Galatians 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. See, a spirit-filled individual has the fruit of the Spirit, which as you look at this, you see the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is love. Christ is joy. Christ is peace. He's long-suffering, patient. He's gentle. He's good. He's, uh, he's, he's uh, faithful. He's full of faith. He's a meek individual. He's temperate. This is the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what glorifies the Father, my friend, is not when you're just busy. What glorifies the Father is when you are like Him, when you're like Christ, and that He could change us so we would be conformed to the image of His Son. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Amen. We're to be conformed to the image of his son. Right, right. And when that is happening and has happened, we display the fruit that he comes looking for. Okay? He comes to check out. See? The Lord expects fruit. But I also want you to notice here that the Lord examines to see the progress. The owner, this owner, had invested at least three years of his resources, and he had absolutely nothing to show for it other than some wood, a tree with some leaves on it. He didn't have any fruit at all on this particular fig tree. And his question was, why cumbereth it the ground? Which literally means, why are you wasting good soil on this tree? 
There's nothing to show for it. See? It's caused more trouble than it's worth. That was the attitude of the owner. And he gave it an opportunity. He, he had uh, not only allowed it to grow for three years, but he had somebody there to uh, dig around it, to, to dung it, to give it fertilizer, to take care of it. And he had invested in this particular tree. See? And if it's not producing, why leave it standing there? Seriously, you stop and think about it. I mean, it's just, all it's doing is taking up space. I don't know how big it was, but perhaps uh, it, it might have gotten to the point to where it was large enough to where the shade of it might have been hindering any of the uh, uh, grapes around it, and they couldn't have grapes around it. Why cumbereth it the ground? Why are you wasting this space? See? And all the investment, there was no return. And so you can understand why he said, cut it down. Now let me ask you, my friend, with all that the Lord has invested in us, is it unreasonable for him to expect to see some growth? I, I don't believe, and I, I, I honestly don't think you believe, that that's unreasonable. Okay. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, what? Reasonable service. God doesn't ask us to do anything unreasonable. God doesn't expect anything for, uh, from us that is unreasonable. If he invests in us, he expects a return. Many of you have a financial portfolio, and you make investments. And you do so, perhaps if you have an advisor, that's, that's fine. But you do that with the expectation of some kind of return. You do that with an expectation of a benefit to yourself. When God invests in you and invests in me, he expects a return. He expects some fruit is what he does. My friend, it would be a shame with all the preaching and the teaching that I've heard in my life if I'm at the same spiritual level year after year after year after year. That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? It'd be a shame for you too. You're the same. It'd be a shame if year after year I struggle with the same sins, have the same problems, and display the same sorry attitudes with all of the investment that God has put into me. There needs to be some change going on. There needs to be a difference. There needs to be some growth. There needs to be some fruit. Because who can invest any more than God and the Lord Jesus Christ himself? No one can. Amen. And if he can't produce fruit, there, excuse my English, there ain't going to be none. See? So he, he comes, he expects some fruit. He examines for some progress. 
Now, it doesn't say here that he expected 14 bushels of figs. There weren't any on this fig tree. It doesn't say he was expecting a great deal of fruit or a small amount of fruit. He was expecting fruit. And my friend, it was a shame. And he, this, this owner of this vineyard saw that it was a shame because of the effort that was put in and there was absolutely no reason that he could see. And by the way, he was an experienced owner. This keeper was an experienced keeper. And they knew what it took to get fruit and they knew what fruit could be expected. Think about everything the Lord's invested in you. I mean, you stop and think. It's probably different for all of us, but there's some things that are the same. Think of all the Lord has invested in you. And my friend, he put more into Israel than he did any other nation. Israel was his. He chose Israel. And my friend, he chose me. He said, I, you have not chosen me. I've chosen you. See? And my friend, there's more invested in you and me than most other people in this world. There, there, there really is. What more could he do for us to promote growth and fruitfulness? Through the years in my ministry, I've talk to different people, try to encourage people to live their life for the Lord, to uh, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and encourage them to apply that to their lives and to live for God and, and to, to repent of, of those things, to lay aside every sin and weight that so easily beset them. And, and I've tried to do that. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard from Christians who've been in church for some time. Well, preacher, I'm not that strong a Christian. Why not? Yeah. Honestly, with the investment that he's put into you, why aren't you a strong Christian? Why aren't you what God wants you to be? Why aren't you, as God told, we mentioned this morning, as God told, or, or Paul told Timothy, be thou an example of the believer. If you're not an example of the believer, my friend, why not? Amen. Our kids, our young people, our young Christians, our adults need examples. They need to see some fruit-bearing individuals, children of God. Amen. That's what we need. I need that. That's an encouragement to me. Amen. And whether you like it or not, that's an encouragement to you. It really is. And if you're not where you ought to be, then get to where you should be. It's never too late to start. I'll ask a rhetorical question here, but how many of you have ever made mistakes in your past? Anybody? Anybody? If some of you had 45 hands, you'd raise all 45 of them. Amen. Okay. We, we, we've made mistakes. That's not an excuse. That's just a fact. See? Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. 
reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. My friend, when you press, that takes effort. When you press, that takes work. And he said, lay aside those weights and the sin which so easily besets us. Those things that easily hold us back. You know what holds me back from losing weight? The refrigerator. <laughs> okay. But there are things in our lives that easily stop us from doing what God wants us to do, which are, is the process of growth in our Christian life. I don't know about you, but I'd like to, I'd like to uh, grow by leaps and bounds. You know? It doesn't happen that way. It takes consistency. It takes persistency. It takes tenacity. It takes some courage to just continue and surrender to the Lord day by day. Now we've seen that he expects fruit. We see the Lord examines for progress. And now notice that the Lord extends opportunity. Now, this parable is not about God who just can't wait to judge us. He just, it's not about God who can't wait to cut us down. That's, that's not what this is about. It's about a God who is long-suffering and patient and slow to anger. I mean, I'm not a fig farmer, but are three years enough? This owner thought three years was enough. So why, why give it another year? No indication it's going to be any different. So why give it another year? I mean, he could plant another tree in its place, and it would produce more fruit. In fact, it may in a couple of years produce enough fruit to make up for what this fig tree never did. But no, what's he do? He grants one more year, hoping that this year is going to be the year it's going to turn around and become fruitful. And the only reason he doesn't cut us down and plant another tree in our place is because he's gracious to give us more time. He's gracious to give us more time. So, my friend, tonight I ask, if he came examining his vineyard tonight, would he be pleased with what he sees? Or would he want to cut us down? If the owner of the vineyard was disappointed after just three years of investment, I wonder how the Lord feels when he examines the fruit of 10, 20, 30, or even 40 years of his investment in our lives. I, to be honest with you, I'm glad he didn't cut me down at three years 
because I imagine at three years I probably deserved it. There wasn't much, if any, fruit after three years of his investment in me. I believe there's more now. It's not bragging, it's just a fact. You know, Christians, sometimes we're so afraid that we're going to brag if we tell the truth. Well, I want to be used of God. Was God using you? And we're afraid to say that, yeah, God's using me. We're afraid to say, yeah, God's given me, I've got some fruit for my Lord. See? But if the Lord comes and he, he examines the fruit in our lives after 10, 20, 30, 40 years of investment, what's he going to find? What a shame if there's no fruit. What a blessing if there is. May the Lord examine his trees and be pleased with what he sees. And my friend, if you're sitting tonight thinking, you know, if God examines me, I'm not sure he'd be pleased with what he sees. And if that's true of you, don't you let that testimony be your testimony next week at this time. If he doesn't cut you down. It doesn't have to stay that way. We have the power of the word of God. We have the power of of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have the power of the church, the influence of our brothers and sisters in Christ to produce fruit. Fruit. He wants fruit. And by the way, he's not going to get fruit from the angels. He's not going to get fruit from the animals. He's not going to get fruit from the fruit trees. He's going to get fruit from us. Each individual here. So before he comes and examines, why don't you examine? And start or continue to bear fruit. How many like to eat fruit? You like fruit? Anna bought a bag of cherries the other day. Oh, man, these are the best cherries I ever had. Even, even, even the pits tasted good. I'm telling you, I mean, fruit is good. It really is. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.